0: Following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance.
1: This is Robin Johnson, creator, writer, and producer of Untrue Stories, which is a comedy science fiction serial about the time-traveling shenanigans of science fiction writers. This is episode four, How a Nation is Exploited. Untrue Stories is my first audio drama. My background is writing for fringe theatre. I've written several stage farces satirizing classical literature. When I made the move to audio, the freedom of the medium allowed me to do my thing with classic science fiction. I've always thought audio drama was a particularly perfect fit for surreal comic SFF, ever since growing up with the original Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy radio series, and working in this space is the most fun I have had for ages. Thank you for listening. The story you're about to hear is untrue. All characters are entirely fictitious, especially the real ones, and any resemblance to actual persons is a lucky guess.
0: Previously on, on True Stories Now ah, you feel that? That's the future changing. I'm in rags. What's this on my nose? Ow! It's a safety pin! And your hair. It's green. Deputy Chief Rutherford, for police. Temporal Division, who controls the time machines, controls the past. Wells, did a large
1: iron lung just materialise in the room? My name is Big Brother. George, it's you. What? Untrue Stories. Season 1, The Adventures of George Orwell and H.G. Wells. Episode 4, How a Nation is Exploited.
2: But you're wondering why I've come back here.
3: No, I don't think we've got to that yet. We're still wondering why the future overlord of a third of the world happens to be a geriatric version of George here.
1: I'm not?
2: What? Well, I clearly deserve it. Shut up, ah, George. Dora used to be arrogant. Of course I'm arrogant, I'm right all the time. Well I'm telling the story anyway.
0: But Wells and I changed the future again, didn't we? Why did my clothes change? You're a punk. And you're an arsehole copper. No, you're a punk rocker. It was a brief anti-establishment music and fashion movement in the original timeline. They made some good tunes. Forty years later, they're all on question time, defending the oppressors. But it's just a ripple. Like I said, we placed chronometric anchors. You'll be back in your overalls any second now. There you go. At least it's more comfortable.
2: And I've got my hair back. I'm trying to tell a story here.
1: Granddad. You died?
2: No dear, I'm dying. I've got a short temporal window before this modified iron lung pings me back to 1984, then I'll snuff it in your arms and you can cremate me all over again. So with opening minds, I'd like to get on with the story. And pay attention, because there are going to be time skips. It started 35 years ago for me. I remember it as if it was yesterday, because it was. I just finished my manuscript. It's brilliant, George.
3: Probably best pop it in the post before you forget, eh?
1: You're absolutely right, Wells. Care to accompany me to the pillar box?
3: You go alone, old boy. I'll stay here and recuperate. Just had a bit of a bumpy bike ride. Off you go. Safe walking.
1: Try not to do many well. What a day. I've got the century's greatest novel in my pocket, it's blowing a gale and... Oh, balls. Oh, well, fortunately all the pages have been blown into that one tree. What a day. (sighs) What a tree. Here's page one. It was a bright, cold day in April and the, the clocks were striking 13. I don't remember writing that. Good, though. Maybe I did. Here's page two. The hallway smells of boiled cabbage and old rag mats. I'm sure I wrote fondue and prawn cocktails. This is pretty good, though. Page three. Page four. Page 95. Page 96. Page 298.
0: I certainly don't remember this bit with the rat. That's my favourite bit. Oh,
1: hello, didn't see you there.
0: Who, me? I was just bird watching. What bird? Uh, that one. Where? Down there.
1: What, the pigeon eating out of the bin?
0: Yeah, I mean, it may look like a pigeon, but it's a rare, lesser spotted, dreary bird. Disguises itself as a pigeon so as not to tip off predators.
1: What predators?
0: Oh, you know. Tigers, and that?
1: I wasn't aware there were many tigers in the Inner Hebrides.
0: Well, they don't exactly advertise it. Wouldn't be great for the tourist trade, would it?
1: And you climbed the tree to watch it, even though it's clearly some distance from the tree, and I can't help noticing a lack of binoculars.
0: That's right. But while I'm here, can I help you gather up your manuscript pages? I saw your little mishap there. That's
1: the thing, I'm not certain this is my manuscript.
0: Now, look big, uh, Mr Orwell. How do you know my name? I'm a fan. Loved all your other books. What was that one about the pigs or Aspidistras or whatever? I'm not exaggerating when I say your writing changed my world. Well, uh, thank you. Now, what's this nonsense about this not being your manuscript? Well, I wrote a book about the year 1984. And this is a book about the year 1984. Yes, but it's
1: a different one. I said it would be all rampant capitalism. This is about an authoritarian communist superstate. I said we'd be wearing garish tracksuit. The characters in here dress more like you.
0: Isn't it much of a muchness? I mean, state tyranny, market tyranny. When the boots are stamping on your face, it's all the same whether they're made by Hugo Boss or a commercial brand, right? No.
1: No, that's what Jean-Pierre Fay called horseshoe theory. And I call... Horse shit theory. Yes,
0: how did you know? Well, partly because it's a bit obvious, but also because I know you, Mr. Orwell. In fact, you're sort of a big brother to me. See? What? Watch this (laughs) What the? I'm not a birdwatcher, Mr Orwell I'm a time traveller Huh This manuscript It's your name on the front, isn't it? Well, yes And you may not remember writing them But they're your words You can tell that
1: Yes It's hard to describe Reading it Uh, I've never seen these words before But it, it felt like I should have written it Like it was written by a better version of me,
0: a a more mature version of me. That's because it was, with a bit of help. It's a long story. Actually, it's not that long. You get old, you write it with your granddaughter, she brings it back here. I don't have a granddaughter.
1: I don't even have a daughter.
0: Mr Orwell, this is the book you're supposed to write. Now, let's get it back in the envelope and get it posted. We will meet again. In the
1: place where there is no darkness?
0: No in your cottage, tomorrow. I'll be trying to arrest Wells. That one really is a long story, but you'd better act like you don't recognise me because this bit here won't have happened yet. For me, causality can be a dick. (laughs) Hang on, you
1: couldn't give me a hand out of this tr- Ow! What a day.
2: So, I sent in the manuscript and the book was a hit. But as the years passed, I saw it was inaccurate. Oh, i would got a few details right. The normalization of lying, television, surveillance, bad pens. But communism went out of fashion when the first generation of dictators started to die. Tyranny wasn't coming from that direction. And by the 60s, well, there may not have been any puffball skirts or synth pop yet, but I could see which way the wind was blowing. My original manuscript had been right. A woman I met in a tree had robbed me of becoming the next Nostradamus.
0: Had my reasons, sir.
2: And if there's one thing I cannot stand, it's being wrong. So I decided to fix it. I decided to go into politics. I run for office. No, you stupid boy, you don't to run for office. You went to Eton. You make a few phone calls and you walk into office.
1: Mr. Huxley, Mr. Huxley, over here.
2: Hello, Blair, isn't
1: it? It's George Orwell now. As tu pratiqué ton français? Je
2: m'appelle Eric. J'ai
1: dix ans.
2: Well, you can't teach them all. What on earth do you call me for after all these years? Not help with your homework. It's about your book, Brave New World. What? The one you copied? I didn't copy it. Might have referenced it a bit. Oh yes, like you used to reference civil Connery's test answers. Common folk, is it? Boy in dystopian society meets girl. Boy loses girl. Boy gets tortured by mentor figure. does Huxley
1: meet Yevgeny Zamyatin? I believe you may have read his book, We.
3: I believe you both steal my we.
2: Oh, uh, well... Uh, of course, we all draw ideas from the, I mean, uh, there are only six basic plots. Cultural zeitgeist, you know. Everyone uh, makes their cake from the same ingredients.
1: Are there any truly original ideas? I great mean, minds and all that. Great minds think alike. Hang on, haven't you been dead for 30 years? And this is Ray Bradbury. Howdy. And Margaret Atwood.
0: This place is so retro. And? Don't mind me. I'm just what you might call the designated driver. Now.
1: I've brought you all here because I think we have something in common. Something we don't like to talk about, but something I think it's fairly important we do talk about. I'll start. My name is George, and I wrote a dystopian novel that turned out to be broadly inaccurate. What? Well, according to my predictions, we should have had a nuclear war and a few great purges by now. According to yours, Alice, we should be cloning babies in test tubes. Ray, in Fahrenheit 451, you said we'd be burning all books. Margaret, in The Handmaid's Tale, you said... Actually, I think I might be winning. All right, well, your book has a lot of applicability, I'll grant you. They all do but,
2: but the details... It's not about the details. We all wrote great books. They don't have to be perfect in every detail. And what if they could be?
3: Then we'd be living in
1: hell. But we'd have been right about it.
0: Ta-da! Oh,
1: just in the blue blazes! Robert. Show these people your party trick.
0: Happy to. <laughs> uh-huh. The
1: holy Martian crime. My friend, Rutherford, is a time traveler. What? Really? Really? Emily! He's from a future that is very much like all of our predictions, and all of you can help build that future. Now, she and I have been working on this for some years. Between us, we've got influence. She has a personal time machine and infallible knowledge of the future, and I went to Eton. But we need more than political pull and money and time travel. We need visionaries. People at the top who really want this to
3: happen.
2: I don't want it to happen. That's why I wrote it.
3: How's that working out? This is nuts. If my future comes true, they'll borrow all our books anyway. And then I'll say I told them so. We'll all say we
1: told them so. So, esteemed writers of speculative political fiction, do you want a few people to read your books, put them down, and. Years later, when some government in real life does something a bit like something in your plot, they might think, this is almost like that novel I read once. Do you want to maybe tell a few cautionary tales and hold off humanity's worst impulses for a decade or two before they forget you ever warned them? Or do you want everyone to know you were right?
2: Keep talking. And from there it was easy. A few nights spent getting drunk with the right students at Oxford, and we had blackmail material on every future leader by the next election cycle.
3: Sir Archibald firmly grip it. Conservative, 182 seats. I got hey, my guys backpack. in place, sir. If this doesn't go to plan, Lendler. we can take power by force. You know that. Hold off your dogs, Bradbury. And the newcomer, George Arthur Orwell, English Socialist and Totalitarian Party, 332 seats. A surprise, landslide victory for the Ingsoc Party. We'll now go over to our Westminster correspondent, who appears to be being arrested.
1: I'm almost disappointed. Democracy is a wonderful thing, isn't it? A boot stamping on a human face forever, while the liberal press prints an editorial about the need to compromise with the boots very real concerns. Save your army for America. I can't see them applying to rejoin the British Empire anytime soon. All we got America already, sir, had a
3: bunch of militia storm the capital last night. Atwood's over there now. They do whatever she says,
1: as long as it's terrible. Excellent. Huxley, draft me a constitution. I want that election to have been the last. Bradbury, take out the monarchy. From now on, total power vests in this cabinet. You got it, Prime Minister. One more thing. Prime Minister? I don't think I like that title. If I'm going to be dictator, I need something familial, but also threatening. Like, uh, Il Duce or Uncle Joe. Well, as a teacher, I had my share of nicknames, but I don't think you'd like them. Hmm. Had any nicknames, Bradbury? Well, my big
3: brother used to call me Poopnose. That's it. I'm not sure I see it working on the posters, sir. Poopnose is watching you. No, not
1: Poopnose. The other thing you said. Big Brother. Big Brother is watching you. I like it.
2: Our power was absolute and eternal for about two and a half years. So, we've agreed to cut the chocolate ration
1: by 20 grams, tell them we've raised it by 30, and eat the surplus ourselves. Any other matters arising? No? Then this meeting of the People's Glorious Board of Dictatorship is hereby... I'm afraid I have to raise a point of order, big brother. What are you doing? I believe it's called a coup d'etat,
3: Coup d'etat.
1: Security, shoot Minister Bradbury immediately. Oh, bollocks.
3: Nothing personal, sir. Happens to the best of them eventually. Caesar, Stalin, you're in good company. Bag him. Ah, Take him away.
1: (laughs) You know they'll come for you next, Bradbury. Once this starts, we all go down like dominoes. (laughs) I don't think
3: so. I have the complete confidence of the government, the military and- Point of
2: order! Oh, shit. Did you bring another bag? Yes, ma'am. Hey. Good. Take them both away. Yes, big sister? I think I prefer...
3: ...aunt. Get your goddamn hands off me. What do you think you're doing? Let's go. What's going on? Ow. Ow! Ow!
0: Do that just yet, sir. Robert. What? Only doing my job. I want a lawyer. Well maybe you should have thought of that before you had them all executed. Oh, yeah. Seemed like a good idea at the time. Killed up, to be honest. We're here. Where? The island of Jura. I've seen worse places to retire. Your face will remain on the posters, because it's nice to have a figurehead, but you were no longer personally involved in the front line of Oceanian politics. Men, unload the prisoner. And the other one.
1: Well, Bradbury, this is a fine mess here. You're not Bradbury. I thought you were dead.
0: Enjoy Exile, you two. Bear in mind your sentences could be commuted to execution at any time, so do not attempt to contact anybody on the mainland. Move out.
1: Where'd you even find that window? Wells? Hello, George but it's been 30 years.
3: We have unfinished
1: business. You and I. Untrue Stories, The Adventures of George Orwell and H.G. Wells was written and produced by Robin Johnson and starred Robin Johnson as George Orwell, Patrick Sprague as H.G. Wells, Cara Court as Julia, Marcel Nick Cullivorne as Deputy Chief Rutherford, Simon Beck as Aldous Huxley, Alex Walsh as Yevgeny Zamyatin and the BBC announcer, David Court as Ray Bradbury, Alex Musius as Margaret Atwood, and Eve Morris as the security guard. Sound effects were sourced from freesound.org. Oceania Tis For Thee was performed by the Airstrip One Mandatory Spontaneous Choir and accompanied by an unattributed public domain recording of the Internationale. Abortion is a human right, and I am certain that the real Margaret Atwood would much rather have been a lot more wrong.